Hello everyone, this is Giulio Coraggio, I'm the location head of the Italian Intellectual Property and Technology Department at DLA Piper Italy. Uh, this is the podcast Diritto Digitale. I'm really happy to have here uh, my uh, US colleague, Ron Plesco, uh, from the Philadelphia office. Ron Plesco has over 20 years of experience in advising clients uh, uh, in relation to cyber attacks. Uh, he's running our cybersecurity practice and he has tons of experience in how to deal with threat actors, how to get companies prepared to an attack and how to react to an attack. Ron, welcome here and thanks for accepting my invite. Oh, well, one, it's an honor to accept your invite. It's it's great to be here right before the holiday season. So happy holidays to everyone if they're seeing this before the holiday season. And I really look forward to our discussion and, and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, uh, I, I think, Ron, it's not a coincidence that you mentioned the holiday season because uh, we know that uh, trade actors uh, are uh, ready to leverage situations where organizations uh, are less prepared and definitely yeah. the holiday yeah. season is the best moment uh, is that yeah. right yeah no no it's it's uh, unfortunately for the men and women uh, that do what we do for a living uh, i can tell you that i've never had an interrupt uh, i've always had an interrupted holiday whether it's uh, thanksgiving in the united states christmas uh, uh, all of the holidays get interrupted for the exact reason that you just said the threat actors uh, tend to use that those times uh, to attack uh, our clients to attack corporations because they know that the staffing levels uh, personnel allocation to those clients will be less the other thing that i heard uh, and I, I agree with the other day i was talking to some fbi agents and uh, uh, British uh, law enforcement as well. Yeah. And we're convinced that in the months of October and November, uh, especially early November, uh, the threat actors increase ransomware attacks and other type of attacks that make them money because they need to make money, uh, additional money to go uh, Christmas shopping or holiday shopping themselves. So I thought that was pretty novel. And then I put that to the test research wise and also put it to the test during ransomware negotiations and and we're we're taught literally we're talking to the bad guys to the threat actors and they admit that that they are uh in, they are trying to make money to like you or i we want to buy our loved ones uh, nice gifts they're just stealing money to buy nice gifts so i i thought that antidote was pretty funny to be honest with you and uh, unfortunate so absolutely yes can, can you give us um, a snapshot on uh where we are in terms of uh, uh, cyber risk. I mean, we know that uh, cyber trade act organization, trade actors are a kind of industry and legal industry, but they are very well organized and they are evolving with the evolution of technology and so on. What trends do you see at the moment in uh, the cybersecurity market? We, yeah, it's such a broad it. question. Yeah, it's such a broad question when and we only have a handful of minutes. So it's uh, so let me back into it this way. Look, I've been doing this for over twenty years. Whether it's cyber response, hands-on keyboard forensics, my, myself, though I am an attorney, I also have a heavy technical background and ran teams that did forensic response. Also uh, worked at supported government agencies in active network defense and prevention of attacks, as well as you know Fortune twenty uh worldwide so with that um and 
another side note, uh, helped stand up, uh, co-founded a global intelligence sharing nonprofit that works with law enforcement and intelligence, uh, dozens of countries and hundreds of corporations that share cyber threat intelligence. Mm-hmm. So when I answer this question, it's through that backdrop. I'm very active still in that nonprofit. I work with all the threat intelligence vendors uh, that uh, sell uh, and commoditize uh, cyber threat intelligence worldwide. So that's the setup to why you're listening to a lawyer answer this question. So let me break it down this way. Um, in my 20 year history, I've never seen it as bad as it is right now. Wow. Uh, and so I, I think that's because of a couple of reasons. Uh, first and foremost, uh, we reached an inflection point with Russia's invasion of Ukraine uh, that took place in that inflection point uh, uh, for the first time uh, since the fall of the, the wall, the Berlin Wall had put um, Russian organized crime uh, at odds against Eastern European organized criminal uh, 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 threat actors, cyber uh, organized criminal threat actors. So what I'm saying is, is Russian organized crime and cyber uh, Eastern European organized crime that do cyber crime used to work together right after the fall, uh, right after the invasion uh, for nationalistic reasons. uh, A lot of the Eastern European organized criminal groups went against Russia or Russia as a nation state, as well as Russia. Uh, uh, organized crime for their invasion. And so what what that caused was Russia, the government, to start utilizing their cyber access operations, meaning they penetrated uh, networks worldwide, selling those a- that access out the back door uh, to Russian organized crime. So they might have broken into a company five years ago, 10 years ago, two years ago. Uh, they then uh, sell that access to Russian organized crime to use uh, to do ransomware, to use uh, data data extortion or other types of campaigns. That's one thing. The other thing that's happened since then is uh, the Russian uh, threat actors, Russian organized crime threat actors are being given and are being usurped or utilized by the nation state for actions against any company that supports West uh, Western countries that are supporting Ukraine. And when I say that they're they're assisting them, they're giving them cyber weapons uh, to actually use to uh, direct attacks at those type of companies. So that's one thing that's taken place. And the other backdrop that's taken place uh, uh, recently, unfortunately, because of the terrorist attack that we saw from the Gaza Strip into Israel, is you have uh, Syrian or Syrian and uh Iranian organized criminal groups funded by a nation state and also those nation states themselves, uh, more, more Iran, uh, going after uh, any any country and corporations in those countries that support uh, Israel's uh, uh, defense of themselves and their invasion of Gaza to get to get rid of these terrorists. So with that, now you have all of that taking place as a backdrop. The other set of issues you have is the utilization of artificial intelligence by threat actors. And so uh, I'm going to break that down in a moment as well, too. But for the uninformed in this audience, just think of it this way. As we uh, corporations adapt, they believe that they're adapting and bringing in and in, in engaging with latest, latest uh, technologies, artificial intelligence platforms, etc., Threat actors have already done that. And the the reasons are many. One, they have the money. Two, they don't have the bureaucracy. They don't have the challenges in acquisition. 
three, it's all about uh, for them utilizing that to, to make more money. And so we had uh, about five or six years ago, Threat Actors moved to a platform economy where they diversified all of their services and would sell it off those platforms. So for instance, money laundering, move, movement of cash worldwide, hosting, hosting of data, uh, hosting of data that you, you steal, uh, that they steal, et cetera, ransomware as a service data extortion as a service, all those offerings are being offered on a, an underground platform, if you will, by different threat actor groups. And those threat actor groups have names, or we, the research community and law enforcement names them uh, names. So if you think about that, there's diversification of services against the backdrop of nationalistic issues taking place because of the two wars that are taking place right now and all that weaponry being utilized. It's a perfect storm that we're seeing right now for targeting and uh, penetration of our clients' networks and theft of their data. Uh, so that's a high level uh, related to what we're seeing. What does that mean to everyone in the audience? It means, of course, we're going to have what I call commoditized organized criminals uh, still doing what they do, ransomware, data data extortion, frauds, business, business email compromise, et cetera. However, they're using cutting edge technology, their cyber weapons to get into networks. They're also utilizing the latest zero days, O days to get into, into those networks as well. We're now seeing the use of artificial intelligence to craft messaging. So just as we would use ChatGPT and other great artificial intelligence uh, tools, to craft our own messaging, to do storyboards, et cetera. They're doing the exact same thing, more towards uh, social engineering and targeting through social engineering their targets. Uh, so for instance, if their target is a corporation like TLA Piper, they would do their research, open source research using artificial intelligence. Tell me everything we know about TLA Piper, who's the chair in EMEA, who's the chair in the United States. Who are their leading attorneys? What are their emails? And then they would package specific targeted fish spear phishing attacks that are very uh, well informed related to those individuals. So that's in a nutshell at a very very high level what what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I mean it, it transpires from what you said that there is a very structured strategy behind a cyber attack. So the collection of information and then the attack. So it's not that um, these traductors randomly hit companies because they are now, they are aware that um, their victims are more prepared and they need to be uh, more structured and more detailed even in the attack. So Ron, uh, you and I uh, advise many companies, uh, not only in the reaction to the cyber attack, but also in being prepared and minimizing the uh, the impact of the cyber attack, being aware that uh, there is no organization, maybe on the planet, that can avoid any sort of cyber attack. You need just to reduce the effects on, on, your, on your organization. What, what are the priorities in your view to get prepared to a cyber attack? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. So from a preparation standpoint, it's uh, I think it's first and foremost, know, know, know your attack surface and know uh, your business. Uh, and when I say that, it might come, it might just seem very simplistic. And when I, when I say that, let me unpack what I mean. It's as you as a company exists on, on the internet uh, to be able to do what you do, 
realize all the connections that you have to the world uh, that can be exploited by threat actors, email, uh, open open firewalls for certain things. Uh, so when I say attack surface, what I, what I mean is it's no different physically than a, a building that you might work in. Threat actors would recon, uh, do recon around that building, look for cameras, look for entry points, exit points, windows, things such as that. That's an, a physical world attack surface to a building that you might be in. That analogy applied to cyber, to cyber threat is, is the same. What is the attack surface? How is your network set up? That's one, know that. Two, understand your business well enough to know what information assets you have uh, in place that threat actors would want to commoditize, make money off of. And so that's not as simple as you might think, because if, unless you know this world, you, you would think, well, we, most companies think, well, we don't do e-commerce. We don't have credit card data. Therefore, we, we're not a target. It's not necessarily that simple. Really, you are a target for, for the very fact that you're a corporation that makes money. That's number one. Two, the information assets that you have that could be commoditized or sold by threat actors include your HR data, uh, your employee data. Uh, this is PII, personal identifiable information. All of that there's a black market for. Uh, secondly, all information related to your financials, uh, there's, there's a black market for, especially if you're publicly traded. There's a black market for your pre-release of your financials if you're publicly traded. Your intellectual property, of course, there's a black market for that. There's a large black market that sells and deals in and will sell services around going after a corporation to steal its intellectual property. And very unscrupulous corporations worldwide will use those services to steal your plans to make a product so they can make the product themselves. So there's that piece. The other pieces are how you do bill, how you pay your bills, your account receivables to figure out how you do wire transfer. All of that is of value to threat actors. And so you need to understand what information assets you have and then understand the protections you have around those information assets. And there's a lot of frameworks globally that will assist you in this. In the United States, we have the NIST cybersecurity framework. Uh, there's ISO standards and other standards. But just because you adhere to a framework doesn't mean you're secure. So understanding what I just said, your information assets, that that in and of itself is, is uh, really a keys to the kingdom analysis, if you will. And taking what those keys to the kingdom are, mapping them to the controls that you have in place, and then doing an analysis on what is the likelihood of initiation of a threat against those those assets and based on the controls would it be successful understanding that fundamentally is key the last two pieces that i would i would leave you with from a prophylactic standpoint is if any any anyone in this audience plays any sports or watches sports you have an appreciation for how much practice and time and energy goes into being an athlete and playing those sports, whether you're a professional athlete or you're like me, somebody that tries to play on the weekend, to the more you practice, the better you get. I highly recommend practicing for cyber attacks. These are things we offer, uh, such as cyber tabletop exercises, where we can do a very detailed one based upon your infrastructure, or we can do a higher level one, uh, or we could go into the weeds with your tech team and work with our, our partners to design a, an attack, a zero day attack against your infrastructure to watch how it plays out without violating the law, without taking data from you. The more you practice, you, you form muscle memory, 
cerebral brain memory around how to react uh, to a threat when, when it happens. So, of course, tabletop exercises is the last thing, assessments. It's um, when I say uh, cybersecurity assessments, it's not pen testing. You have to do all that. What I'm saying is, is hire people that know how to break in and have them break into your network, pay them, do that under attorney client privilege, have a, a cybersecurity assessment done. They will get in and all those controls that you think you have in place that work to protect those information assets that I just discussed, they'll test that. And then doing something like that, in my mind, every year, either with your team's knowledge or without your team's knowledge, uh, that's your decision. I would definitely do it under attorney-client privilege if you're in an area like the United States or elsewhere, because you want to protect those results, those results meaning all the gaps that they find in your network. So those are a few things off the top of my head. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so surprised that sometimes uh, organizations have uh, very nice policies and plans, but then when an incident happens, you figure out that uh, you that the organization never tested their incident response plan, so they don't know whether it actually uh, works. Um, so, last question, Ron. Uh, if a company suffered a cyber attack sure. and you're called, what uh, what are the immediate actions to be to be done? Sure. So I'm hoping that you can still hear me and that we are, on, are not suffering a cyber attack as the video froze there a little bit, giving me a, <laughs> looking like I have Botox or something on my face and freezing again. So I'm going to go off of Botox, but immediate or uh, off of Botox, off of video. Uh, I think uh, the immediate actions are, one, before that even happens, have relationships with your attorneys, hopefully us. Uh, understand that uh, you there is legal impact to an incident, um, period, full stop. And not only relationships with your attorneys, but relationships with uh, third-party vendors that specialize in incident response. We work with the best of the best globally, happy to make recommendations. Uh, understand when that happens that we call it the break glass moment who are you or the ghostbusters moment who are you going to call and how quickly are you going to call them understanding what they're going to do and how they're going to do it before it happens is very important when an incident like that happens depending upon the incident you might need a ransomware negotiator having that relationship beforehand and having maybe a contract in place with them beforehand you have no time when that when your house is on fire to actually have uh, time to go through procurement uh, to bring a vendor on. I literally have a client right now that's been uh, having an incident for like the last, uh, let's just say, a couple of weeks. And they they still haven't signed the contract with the incident response firm that is doing the response. So had they had all that prior uh, prior to, that would have been a good thing in the United States. We cannot, uh, to protect it under privilege, the statement of work underneath a contract has to be entered into at the moment that that incident response team is brought on. And it's it's at our direction, it's at the outside counsel DLA's direction. So I think those are a few things off the top of my head. Hopefully that's helpful. And hopefully this video will go back to working. So. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, as you said, the worst thing you can do when a cyber attack happens is to be stuck in negotiations with your providers. Uh, also, uh, the negotiating power 
of your company while you are suffered, the cyber attack might be weaker uh, and you need the immediate uh, uh, support. Run, this chat has been yeah. really interesting. Thank you for your insights and I hope you're going to have a, a nice uh, Christmas holidays with not too many interruptions, <laughs> yeah. probably. <laughs> and thank you again. Yeah, I. Well, same to you, same to you in the audience. Happy holidays, whatever your holidays may be. And thank you for the opportunity to do this. Please reach out to us if you, if you need anything further after this uh, discussion. And thank you all and happy new year.